I want us to turn our Bibles to Romans chapter number 12. We are going to read from verse 1 through to 3. And then we will go on to James chapter 6. We are going to read from verse 6 to 12. And finally, we are going to read 1 Corinthians chapter, um, some chapter somewhere. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians chapter, 2 Corinthians, sorry, chapter 2, sorry, chapter 12 from 9 to 10. Hallelujah. So we are reading three passages in the Bible. Amen. Let's hear the word of God. First, Romans chapter 12, 1 to 3. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Hallelujah. James chapter 4. Verse 6 to 12. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your, your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of God, of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Do not judge a brother. Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. Hallelujah. Therefore, there is one lawyer who, a, who, gives, who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? Amen. And finally, we are going to read 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 9 and 10. The Bible says that, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities than that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in my infirmities, in my reproach, in needs, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Here ends the reading of his holy word. Amen. Father, I pray that you breathe your spirit and life upon this word in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to speak on, we are still speaking on grace in ministry. And I want 
my focus tonight to be on adopting the mindset for grace in ministry. Adopting the mindset for grace in ministry. Or if you like, thinking in a manner that will enable grace to assist you. Amen. Amen. Now, Paul wrote a, a letter to the Romans in chapter 12, verse 2. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What Paul was saying is that change will only happen from your mindset. If your mind changes, then your life will change. Amen. So most of the, uh, what, I, what we are trying to do, I'm trying to do tonight, is to help change the way your mind works. Help change the way you think. Because if your, the way you think can change, then your life will change. Amen. And he started by saying that do not conform to this world, which means that there's a way the world thinks. And if you think that way, you will not have a transformed life. It is only when you think opposite to the way the world works and the world is, uh, uh, thinks and operates, that is when change, uh, or, or, or change from God will appear in your life. Amen. Because the way the mind of the world works is in adherence to the way God works. Amen. Amen. Because the Bible says that God has taken the foolishness of this world to conform the wise. Amen. And the base things of this world God has used to conform the strong. Amen. So God is using things that look weak, things that doesn't look very, very great. He's using those things. Amen. So he's giving us a certain type of mindset that we must have in order for grace to abound. Amen. If we want grace to abound, then we need to have a certain mindset. We, we have defined grace as God's enablement, God's strength. Amen. God's favor. Grace means favor. And I told you, God is not fair. God decides who he will pick up and who he will let down. Amen. So it is not according to how strong you are. Amen. It's not him that will it or the one that is strong to strive. But it's God who shows mercy on the one that he decides to show mercy to. Amen. And uh, I demonstrated last Sunday, if the judge becomes partial and he holds the hands of your opponent and he says that start the fight, how many would think that you will win the fight? But that is how God operates. God doesn't, God doesn't play fair. And I said last on Sunday that if God was fair, God should have punished Jacob and returned his birthright to Esau. Because between the two, Esau was a better man than Jacob. Jacob was a huge snatcher. He was a trickster. Jacob was a dubious guy. And Esau was a hard worker. Esau was obedient. Esau was loved by his father. And in the Jewish culture, the firstborn is entitled to half of the father's wealth. And the, other, the rest of the children will have to share the, the other half. Amen. Which means that the firstborn son is entitled to a lion's share of the property. 
Assuming the man has 12 kids, the, the, the half goes to one person, and then the 11 other kids must share the other half. That was the culture in those days. And his, his rightful birthright was half of his father's wealth. But somehow, Jacob used dubious means to call, steal the birthright from his older brother. He stole it from the father and he took it away. Amen. And God enabled him and God blessed Jacob instead of Esau. And I said to you that God is not fair. He decides who he will favor. He decides who he will grace. Amen. And grace is not your, according to your hard work. Grace is not according to your personality. Grace finds you wherever you are, whoever you are. But there's a way that you can attract grace. If you think in that way, then you can attract grace. Am I making sense? And so the scripture is saying, the first thing is that in verse 3, that's uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 3, For I say to you through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. So here Paul is saying that the first thing you must have is the way you think about grace. Always think of yourself as one who owes everything to grace. Amen. You owe everything you are, have, everything that you have to grace. For most of us, when people say, greet us and say, how are you? We use the terminology, by the grace of God. How many do that? Yeah, by the grace of God. What you are trying to say is that I owe everything I have to the grace of God. I owe my shoe to the grace of God. I owe my life to the grace of God. I owe everything that I have to the grace of God. Amen. That's the first thing that we must think. That we are not of ourselves. We are people that have been even saved by grace. The reason why you are not strung out on drugs. The reason why you are not an alcoholic. The reason why you are not you know, a rapist is not because you are a good person. Is because somehow life has steered you away from certain things. If the things that met the people who are strung out on drugs met you, I guarantee you also be strung out on drugs. Hallelujah. So it 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 must it must it must occur to all of us that is by grace. Amen. That is why when you see people who are lying on the street, when you see people who are homeless, don't judge them. Don't think you are better than them. Don't think that you are anybody or anything. It is only grace. Only grace that has found you. Grace has just graced you. So everything you have, you owe it to grace. Oh, I don't know whether you understood what I'm saying. Everything you have, you owe it to grace. I know people who study more than you study. And they fail every exam. Some don't study at all. Some wink their way. They just wink their way throughout their whole entire college. Entire. I know somebody who is sitting somewhere here that <laughs> never ever studied for anything. They just winged it through. 
Wing everything from GCSE to A level, from A level to first year to second year, and they never failed. Some have repeated courses, changed courses, repeated courses, changed courses, repeated courses, changed courses. And some people never changed, but it's like they never studied. They just winged it through. If, if, if they will be honest and tell the truth, they don't deserve the grade they got. First Corinthians 4. So somebody has been in Leeds for seven years. What, what course was he doing? Is he doing... What course? <laughs> I mean, seven, eight years, you have been in the university and you are not graduating. There's something wrong. Full-time PhD and it's taking eight years. Yikes. First Corinthians 4, 6-7. The Bible says that now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sake, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up, but uh, puffed up on my behalf, uh, sorry, puffed up on behalf of one against the other. For who makes you differ from one another? What, is, what do you have that was not, you did not receive? Now, if you did receive it, did, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? Amen. So Paul was asking the people, is there anything you have that you was not given to you? Is there anything that you have that you did not receive from God? And if you received it from God, then why are you boastful? Some people are very, very boastful of their beauty. Some are very boastful that they have hair and others don't. I, I boast a lot of my hair because I have more hair than about 80% of my it's the grace it's the grace of God because I, have, I don't grow follicles amen nobody grows hair it is God that decides who will be bald and who will not be bald <laughs> hallelujah is there anything that you have that you did not receive? In Deuteronomy 8.18, it says that you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he that gives you the ability to create wealth. Did you wake yourself up this morning? Yes, you set the alarm. And the alarm went. And you got up. And when you got up, your mind was still intact. And you could coordinate your limbs to the bathroom and coordinate your your clothes and everything, coordinate yourself out. 
But there's somebody who gets the same alarm. He tries to lift himself out of the bed, and there's no coordination. The limbs, the mind is trying to engage the limbs, and there's no response. And because of that, they are stuck in the bed, and they'll be stuck there for years. Hallelujah. I mean, just, just yesterday, I got a, a text from a friend that, oh, Pastor Michael Bassett has just died. And it was one of the most painful, painful, sad text message I've ever received. Because I know most of you don't know him, so don't worry about it. But if you have been in this country for any length of time, you will know that he was the pastor of the largest charismatic church in Europe at the point in time. He had the biggest church, Victory Assemblies in Frogner, Finchley, uh, North London. Huge church. Doing very well. And for some reason, he lost the church and he became a nobody. For many years, he just a non-entity. And he just died at the age of 80 years. A very sad human being. You know, and as I was thinking about it, I was like, when you are up and everything is working, there is a tendency for you to think that you are the reason why things are working. There is a tendency for you to think that you are very spiritual, you are very prayerful, you commune with God, you are very great. And that is why you are so anointed, that is why people come. I mean, this man was running seven services in a, in a Sunday. I mean, the queue from... The queue on outside, if you know uh, Finchley Road, from where the church is to Swiss Cottage, is a long distance and there's queue. People are queuing. You think that they are going to buy essential commodity, but they are waiting to go to the next service. This is not what somebody told me. This is what I saw with my eyes. In this country, Long before KICC and all those type of churches came, he was the biggest charismatic church. In fact, the only... The, the, he was the only charismatic church in the whole of UK. Yeah. You know Jonathan Butler? He was his praise and worship leader. I mean, this guy was huge. Huge. After one service, then you see the queue. Then another service, then the queue. Then another service, then the queue. Seven services on a Sunday. Yeah. But you see, we can easily take grace for granted. And when God sees that we have taken grace for granted, he removes grace. And once grace is removed, then you realize that you are not as strong and as powerful as you think. Hallelujah. That is why I, I want to urge all of us that it doesn't matter how successful you think you are. Now, it doesn't matter where you think you are in life. 
Never forget that you are what you are. You are where you are because of the grace of God. Hallelujah. You are so pretty. You are the most beautiful amongst thousands. That may be true. But it's grace. Because I know somebody who is more beautiful than you. But their face, half of it is bent. And nobody wants to look at their, them anymore. Because an unfortunate fire accident caught them. And now all the beauty is finished. The beauty has turned into a monster that nobody wants to look at. No man wants to come. Now you have three or four suitors, five people chasing you all over the place. And you are bluffing. <laughs> Remember that it is by grace. Look at your neighbor and tell them it's by grace. Oh, tell them that it is by grace. Know that you are what you are. You have what you have by grace. That is why when somebody comes to ask you anything, give it to them. Become a conduit of God's grace because you owe everything to grace. So you owe somebody a leg up. You know what a leg up is? You owe somebody a handout. You owe somebody a shoulder for them to climb up. Hallelujah. Because what you have is only grace that has given you. Amen. Am I, am I talking to somebody? So your mind must always be, listen, I am where I am because of grace. Who knows whether God brought me here for such a time as this to help this person? Who knows whether I have been brought to the, the palace to be the, 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 the queen in place of Vashti because God knew that the Jews needed salvation. They needed an Esther. And so I have been brought here as Esther to be the one, the conduit that will grace the Jewish people. If I fail to grace them, and I think about law, and I think about my own life, and how to preserve myself, God will help the Jews from somewhere, through someone else, but know that you will perish. Hallelujah. Am I talking to somebody? We all owe Whatever we have, whoever we are, let's welcome Pastor Gloria. Please come, come, come. As I was saying, it is only by grace. You are what you are by the grace of God. Listen, the ministry you have that is working, don't think that you are so great. You are so powerful, that's why your ministry is working. No, it's just grace. Hallelujah. The church we have, let us not be boastful. 
I don't think we have anything close to what Michael Bassett had. He had thousands of people. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the room could not hold the people. The queue goes round waiting to enter. One service after the other service after the other service after the other service. And he died a nobody yesterday after being the greatest pastor in London. When you Google his name right now, Michael A. Bassett, you won't, hear, you won't see anything. You won't see anything. This is the greatest pastor that lived in London. This is from 1989, 1989, 1991, 92, 93, 94, 95. Not too long ago. Hallelujah. So let us not think that we have arrived. Hallelujah. I mean, when my friend sent me the text yesterday night, but he was very, very close to him. This message just came. That we are what we are. By the grace of God. Hallelujah. Let us always think that it's grace that has kept us. Amen. Amen. Number two. You have photos. That's why you have photos for everything. Hey, people are preaching for me, oh. <laughs> uh, let's, let's read on. Let's read on. Um, Deuteronomy 8. Let's start from 11. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 11. We are reading from 11 through to 18. It says, Beware. Somebody say, Beware. Anytime you see beware, what does it mean? It's a warning, isn't it? It's caution. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by, keeping, by not keeping his commandment, his judgment, his status, which I command you today. Amen. What um, Moses was saying here is that there's a tendency to forget. In the original uh, King James Version. He says that, remember not to forget. Give me the original King He says that, beware, beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God. Amen. Amen. Remember not to forget the Lord. Amen. Amen. Lest, somebody say less. When you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, when your heads and your flock multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied, that you have, you have it multiplied. When your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led you through the, that great and terrible wilderness in which were fairy serpents and scorpions and thirsty land where you, 
there was no water. Who brought water to you out of the flinty rock? Who fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your father did not know? And that he might humble you and that, you might, that he might test you to, to do good in the end. That when your heart, when you say in your heart, my power, somebody say my power, and my might, the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God who gives you the power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Amen. He was saying that you see, human beings have a tendency of becoming proud when you become successful. And you see, when pride comes, all of us don't know and will never ever admit that we are proud. Pride is like sleep. Do you understand? When, when you are sleeping and somebody knocks you and says that, are you sleeping? You say, no, I'm not asleep. Meanwhile, you have been sleeping and you are snoring. Meanwhile, you, you will argue that you are, that's how pride is. When somebody alerts you that you are being proud, you, you argue, black and blue, that you are not proud. By the grace of God, I am proud of my humility. I am the most humble. Hallelujah. You will not, because as soon as you begin to acquire wealth, you begin to see a certain level of promotion. How many, let me, let's, let's do this exercise. How many are here today? About five, ten years ago, you were praying to be sitting where you are sitting today. Give me a wave. In life. You were praying that you'll be sitting where you are today. A few years ago. And now that you are in this place, you look down on people where, where you were, were five, ten years ago. How many know what I'm talking about? And it, it, it's because you think that it is your hard work, your cleverness that has brought you where you are. I have come this far by sheer determination and hard work. By blood, sweat, and tears, I am who I am. Hey, are you sure? Are you very sure? Hmm? You have burned the midnight oil. Yeah, listen, it's true. Dr. Feke, it's true. For you to be a doctor, a consultant, you have worked hard. No two ways about it. Because about 70% here didn't pass biology. This year's biology they didn't see top. <laughs> Some attempted it at A level and they dropped immediately. So you didn't do science. That's not proper science. That's pretend science. <laughs> Integrated science is pretend science. <laughs> Don't call yourself a scientist ever. <laughs> but it's not your hard work. 
Because there are people that were cleverer than you that attempted medicine. And they dropped out. They dropped out. Hallelujah. Some people are trying to drive the car behind. <laughs> you see, thinking of yourself as the one who owes everything makes you humble. Are you being? It makes you humble. Not docile, but humble. There's a difference. There are some people, because of humility, or supposed pretend humility, even the office they sit in, they don't sit in it well. I don't know whether you understood the English that I was saying. You are a consultant. Other consultants carry themselves in a certain way. But because of false humility, you carry yourself like the janitor. That is not humility. In fact, that's pride. That is pride. That makes you think that if you pretend to be humble, we will see you as humble. <laughs> please, thank you. Please, I'm okay. No, no, stop that. <laughs> yeah. Apart from that, when you think that you owe everything to grace, it gives you peace of mind. Because now you don't have to keep up with the Joneses. You don't have to. How many have tried to compete with somebody? And then you get very stressed. I, 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 remember, I remember a certain man somewhere. This guy used to be first, second in the class. But he was competing with this girl. The girl was called Malibongwe. In Klakla, sorry. The girl was called in Klakla. Now, in Klakla, we'll, be, we'll get 85% in maths. And this guy will get 83%. And he will cry. And then he'll say that, next year, I will... Oh, I'm trying to remember the word. Oh, I will strive. Next year, I will strive. To beat in Klakla. And then the following year will come. And Klakla will still whip him. <laughs> and the guy was like, I am striving. He will come from school very, very upset. And Klakla, and it, it, it was so sad because Klakla always beats him like one point or two points. And he was saying, next year I'll strive. I'll strive. So we changed his name to we are strive. I'll strive. I'll strive. I don't know where he went. <laughs> strive to beat in Klakla. I wonder where Klakla is. <laughs> but you see, when you know that what you have is by grace, it gives you peace of mind. You don't have to compete with anybody. You are in your own lane. Hallelujah. You, it gives you, when you sleep, you sleep. When you try to be like the Joneses, you are always peeping to see what they've got, what they are doing now, so that you can outdo them. 
Don't try and outdo anybody. I've seen it even in ministry. You know, pastor will come and see something in your church and he will also go and try and do it in his church because he wants to compete. When you understand that it's grace, it gives you peace. Hallelujah. And grace also empowers you. When you know that you owe everything to grace, it empowers you because your ability is not what brings it. It is God's grace. So you lean more on his grace. And the more you lean on his grace, the more he promotes you. Amen. Are you understanding what I'm saying? How many are going to owe everything you have to grace? All right. The next thing. Think of yourself with a true and a proper evaluation. We are still looking at Romans chapter 12, verse 3. He says that do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought to think. How many in this room will agree with me that you always think of yourself better than you think about others? Always think of yourselves with a true and a proper evaluation. Use the right spectacles to grade yourself. Says that do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Amen. Do not think of yourself that you are better than anybody. Don't think of yourself that you are the most hardworking, the cleverest, the best, most beautiful. Second Corinthians twelve twelve. He says that the things that mark Second Corinthians twelve twelve says that. True, truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. This is Paul. He was giving people his nomenclature. Then he went on to say that, listen, with all these things that I've achieved, I myself know that I'm the least of the apostles. Why? Because I was the chief of the ones persecuting the Christians. But God in his mercy saw it fit to show me the error of my ways. So I did not, I cannot compare myself to the other apostles. I may have done mighty things, but the mighty things that I've done, is, is, it doesn't make me better than any of them. In fact, I am the least. What Paul was saying that I have graded and evaluated myself very well. I know that I don't come higher than any of them. Hallelujah. Because when they were saving souls, I was persecuting the church. I was killing souls when they were saving souls. <laughs> Hallelujah. Listen to Jeremiah. This is what Jeremiah says. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5 to 7. He says, ah, sovereign Lord, I do not know how to speak. Before, before I was formed in my mother's womb, you knew me. I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you and ordained you a prophet to the nations. Verse 6. Then he said, Ah, Lord, behold, I cannot speak. I am but a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all the 
to whom I have sent you, I'll send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Hallelujah. Now, the guy evaluated himself properly. Even though I can see you, God, and I can hear you speak, the reality is that I can't speak, and I'm a young person. See, as soon as you evaluate yourself well, then it enables the God to grace you. So immediately God says, I don't say you are a young person. Don't say you can't speak because I am going to be your mouth. I am going to cover your youthfulness. Hallelujah. It means that when you have evaluated yourself well, grace kicks in and pushes you up. Hallelujah. It's like you have been given something to do. This is, you know, be anything. We go feed do. No, don't have that attitude. Hallelujah. How many understand what I'm saying? Don't have, you see, we are, this, this, this is a thinking exercise. Evaluate yourself. Evaluate yourself very well. And be very honest. Jesus said, if you judge yourself, you will not be judged. If you judge yourself correctly, then it enables God to match your deficiency. But when you see yourself through a rose-tinted glass, you give God no room to grace you. Am I making sense? How many are learning something? Do not get trapped in saying that. Don't get trapped in negative, self-negative image. Because some people in their quest to evaluate themselves, they always mark themselves down. And I told you that is, that is also a sign of pride. That negative, extreme negative is also a sign of pride. Hallelujah. Don't have a negative uh, self-image. I'm a nobody. No. When you say I am a nobody, you make grace ineffective in your life. Am I making sense? Learn to be like Paul who says, I know the deeds I can do. I know the giftings. I know the, the miracles, the signs, the wonders that have been wrought through my my hands, but I'm not boasting in them because the truth of the matter is that I come less than all the apostles, but God is using me more than he's using them. Hallelujah. So you are effective in your self-estimation examination. Am I making sense? Then the next one to think is that Think with a sober judgment. Think with a sober judgment. We are still reading uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For I say, through the grace given to me, who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to, but think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So think soberly. What does it mean to think soberly? The word sober means to have a lower estimation. Hallelujah. 
be sober in your judgment. How many know Americans have a tendency of being braggadocious? How many see Americans have a certain knack to exaggerate their abilities? I mean, they are very egotistic. They feel the, the land of the free, the home of the brave. The, the greatest country on planet Earth. You know, it, 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 it's a certain way of thinking and judgment. Hallelujah. That can, it has its advantages, but it's also very disadvantageous. Hallelujah. Because when you do that, when people are passing you by, you still don't see it. So as China has come and surpassed America, America is still thought we are the greatest country on them. Who told you? <laughs> now, China owns about 80% of Africa. And uh, uh, what do you call it? All the Americas. South America. China owns. China is actually much, much more wealthier than America. And America is saying that we are the greatest country on earth. See, you can be drunk on your own hype. Are you getting what I'm saying? You can be so drunk on your own hype. You're not as great as you think you are. Hallelujah. Number four. Always think with the measure of faith that God has given you. Think what, with what? The measure of faith that God has given you. What do I mean by that? Think that you are the image of God, number one. I am who I am by the grace of God. God is the one that has graced me. Hallelujah. I can do all things through Christ. The next thing, I am filled with the Spirit of God. It is a Spirit that works in me to achieve and to do. For in him we live, in him we move, in him we have our being. And the third thing is that I am part of the plan of God. God is using me to fulfill destiny. So when I am opportune to do something good for somebody, I know that it's part of God's plan. Hallelujah. God is working out everything for my good. And we know that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and them that are the called according to his purpose. Hallelujah. Amen. Number five. When success comes, respond humbly. 
You know the scripture we read? It says that when you are blessed, it didn't say if in Deuteronomy chapter 8. He says that success will come because I've blessed you. When you have increased, when you are full and things are, are working, when everything has worked, don't forget. Remember not to forget that you went through the wilderness. You have been hungry before. How many have been hungry before? How many have had need before? You know, I used to, I was in the university in London, and I had this flat. I had to pay my school fees at the time my university fees. So I was working to pay my fees. And I had to pay my flat. I had my rent. I had to pay my bills. I had to pay, you know, all those things. And the house that I had rented, two-bedroom house that I rented, there was never an opportunity for me to stay in it. Because I had to work around the clock to pay my rent for the room that I never stayed in to pay for my university accommodation. And I had this landlord. The landlord was a terrorist. I mean, this guy will come into my flat. He had a key. Sometimes, by the time I am coming to the house. I only have like a few. You know, when I come to the house, it's like I have like an hour. Come to change clothes, you know, have a shower, change clothes, get something quick to eat. And because I'm going to my, for my night shift. So I'm just coming straight from college, drop my books or something, change quickly. And by the time I open my door, this man is sitting there. That guy tormented my life. I'll never forget him. It's an old Nigerian man. Now, this guy will come to my flat on the 23rd. Meanwhile, my uh, rent ends on the 30th. He's come. He's coming for his rent. The rent is not due. He's there. So I've come to tell you, you have to pay me. Yes, it just goes on and on. I only have one hour. Sometimes by the time he's leaving, I'm late. And then he will be, sometimes by the time I come home, he's left a note. Why is the flat so messy? You are messing my flat. Ah. Meanwhile, I pay the rent. So I don't have time to even clean the place. Why? And I went to your room. It's messy. The guy, I mean, this guy tormented my life so much. 
I vowed that one day I'll become a landlord. And when I become a landlord, I'll be very nice to my tenants. Because the guy really prepared me. Sometimes you'll be hiding in a bush. <laughs> you don't know this thing that I'm saying. <laughs> oh, you know. I mean, he'll hold you as if you have stolen something from him. He'll hold you as if you have stolen something from you. Him. And the sad thing is that the flat was not in his name. He was looking after the flat for his nephew who was in America. And this, uh, he, he said he was uh, an old accountant. You know those type of old, frustrated, retired? Yeah, accountant, and taxi driver type. <laughs> I mean, that guy tormented my life. And by the grace of God, I became a landlord. And when I became a landlord, every time I'm dealing with my tenant, I remember this guy. So the compassion, I leave them. I have a tenant who has been in my house for seven years. I've never seen his face before. He's never seen my face before because I leave him alone. I leave him alone. Sometimes he will send a text. I, I can't pay at the end of the month. I'll pay next week. I say, cool. May I send a one line, cool. Because I remember. <laughs> I remember. I don't want to mention his name. I remember. I'm trying to sack this tenant. He says he won't go. No, he says he won't go. Because he'll send me. I said, I can't pay. I can't. I wanted to. Three times I've tried to increase the rent. He says, I can't pay. I won't pay. If I write, I won't pay the increase. I'll, then he tell me, I'll pay this. That's okay. <laughs> cool. Then I year will come. Say, I won't pay the, the increase. I'll pay this. I said, okay. Because... I remember how they used to come. <laughs> Hallelujah. See, that is what happens when you remember the wilderness that you walked in. You remember the, the farming. How you had to attempt, how you had to go through serpents and scorpions attempting to bite you. How many understand what I'm trying to say? It, it makes you never forget where you have come from. Hallelujah. So even though now you are a landlord, you think like a tenant. You think with compassion. You put yourself in the place of the person. You know that sometimes, see, at the time, my problem was not the rent. I was dealing with something bigger than the rent. My school fees was bigger than the rent. Because if I don't pay my fees, I'll be kicked out of the course. And if I've been kicked out of the course, then all the nights, working two, three hours, two, three jobs to pay my school fees and look after myself will be wasted. (coughs) Hallelujah. When you succeed, you remember. 
Am I making sense? Are you, because, you see, we all have a tendency to forget. Very easy. Because this particular tenant, he can be very, very annoying. He can be very annoying. But when I want to do something, then I remember. Peter Otu. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> I wonder if he's still alive. Because he was very old at the time. You know, he had this type of grandfather type of. Ah, he comes to confrontation. He comes. Ah, ah why? What does this man want? It's, it's only 22nd. We have, we have a whole week to the end of the month. And when he starts coming like that, he will come and come and come. So sometimes I have to pay my rent on the 25th. So that he, so that he stops him from coming to my flat. Because at the time, I was too busy and to even find out that it was not lawful for the guy to even have a spare key. Come into my flat and come and inspect my kitchen. And write a note. You are spoiling my flat. You haven't washed your dishes. <laughs> Amen. I, I pray for all of us that we'll have sober, sober judgment, especially when we become successful, especially when things are working. Now that you are married and everything is working, don't start talking down on single ladies. The way you dress, that's why no man is coming. Hey, have you forgotten? <laughs> Hallelujah. How many understand what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. When you are full and things have worked for you, remember the lean days. The lean days is there for a reason. Hallelujah. The lean days is there for you to also see and empathize when somebody's going through a lean period. The last one for today. Refuse to slander and criticize or judge a brother when you are successful. James chapter 4 verse 11, do not speak evil of one another. He who speaks evil of his brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law. But the judge, there is only one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Hallelujah. Who are you to judge another? Bible describes Satan as diabolos, which means the slanderer. In the midst of the brethren. Always talking down. Judging people harshly. Saying bad things about people. Because you are not in their predicament. If you were in the situation that they were in, maybe yours would be worse. Hallelujah. So before you open your mouth to judge somebody harshly, think. Stand to your feet.